Hello and welcome to the next episode of the Guardian Protection Podcast. Today we're talking to Phil Deacon, Guardian's Head of Claims, about the just-launched income protection offer. Hello Phil, how are you? Um, I take it it's been a case of all hands to the tiller for the launch. Hi John, yes it certainly has. Um, good, good to be here and, and delighted to be talking about our, our income protection proposition. Today we, we want to give our listeners a, a firm grasp of what Guardian's new IP offer is about. Um, so we're going to go, go through some of the salient features and in particular how they will impact at claim in detail. But first of all, can you give us a brief overview of the offer? Yeah, of course, John. I'll, I'll give you a very, a very quick uh, overview. So we, we've got some, in keeping with our existing products, better definitions. We have an own job definition, for example. We um, cover a, a higher percentage of people's earnings than most other providers. Um, we offer flexibility in, in length of payment. We'll either pay to the selected retirement date um, or uh, for a maximum of two years, depending on uh, which the customer selects at outset. And we're going to issue annual statements to customers, reminding them of, of what cover they have and um, and reminding them to, to make sure that the, that the cover still uh, meets their needs. In terms of the distinction between own job and own occupation, I might argue that own job and own occupation coverage in IP terms represent a subtle difference rather than being of great significance. I take it you don't see that as being the case? No, I don't, John. The market typically covers people for own occupation. So that's the, the type of job, uh, the, the type of work, the, the, the profession, the trade or industry that they're employed in. Rather than the specific job they do, Guardian wanted to provide more certainty to customers. So we cover them for their specific duties, um, the duties that they do on a, on a daily basis. And that, that gives customers greater certainty at the point of claim. They, they know what they do and they know what they'll be covered for. Um, and it not only uh, helps, I think, in terms of being able to, to, to cover more people, to pay more claims when people become too ill to work, but also um, it allows us to pay them for longer, perhaps when we're supporting people back to work. Um, we're not going to, to rush people back and say that they can do, uh, they can do work or, or duties, which wasn't initially in their, in their day to day job. We will, support them um, until they can do the actual duties that they were doing before. Now, I also understand there's more flexibility at Claim 2 in terms of how and when customers' IP benefit will be paid. Can you discuss that? Yeah, I think this is a really neat one, actually. Um, it's only a little thing, but, but often these things make a, a huge difference to people. I think most most providers are constrained by legacy systems, and therefore the um, the, the date that they can pay out is is um, it, it isn't something that can be offered to the customer in terms of a choice. What we're saying to customers is, look, we recognise that your mortgage payments, your direct debits, go out on a certain date, and that we need to we need to make sure that we we pay you the benefits in, in keeping with when perhaps you would normally get your wages. So we're asking customers firstly whether they want to be paid monthly or weekly. Uh, they need to choose the uh, the date of the month, if 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 they're paid monthly, or the day of the week, if they're they're paid weekly. So therefore, they have complete flexibility and choice over when the money goes into their bank account. Uh, so they can align it to their you know their usual payday when they were receiving income from their employer, and and obviously with their their direct debits and other um, outgoings as well. So it it causes minimum disruption. And I think when somebody's ill and they can't work, it's 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 little things like that that really make a difference. Perhaps in a similar vein, what one of your proposition features is to offer premium waiver as standard. Can you tell us why you decided to offer this? What was your thinking? How does it benefit a customer? 
Yeah, so this is this is really important for us, John. And um, so, as as you'll be aware, probably we offer premium waiver standard on all of our um, all of our policies. But with income protection, we wanted to to do something a little different from the you know the market norm. Ordinarily, uh, waiver um, kicks in when the income protection deferred period expires. So that could be after eight, thirteen, twenty six, or, or fifty two weeks. What we wanted to do was firstly um, give people a, a little bit back before then um, by waiving their premiums after after four weeks, irrespective of the income protection deferred period. You know, even, even if people were still receiving some income, we felt that that, that would be uh, a, a nice thing to do to give them a little bit of help. But importantly for us, it also hopefully will encourage people to tell us as soon as possible, to tell us as early as possible once they become ill and they're off work. The problem that we see, John, is that you know, for some of the longer deferred periods, 26 and particularly 52 weeks, if people don't notify us until around that time or, or, or maybe a little later, they've already been out of the workplace for a long, long time. And the chances of them going back to work reduce drastically. Um, and, and that's, that's proven statistically. The earlier we can, we can get the notifications into us, the, the earlier that we can kind of, um, understand their circumstances and, and the issues that they have. And, and look to provide some support to, to, to kind of work with them and, and hopefully help them back into the workplace as soon as possible and at a, t- at a pace that's right for them. But they'll have far more chance if we can, if we can work with them earlier on in the process. If, if we're not getting notified until nearer 52 weeks, the chances of them going back to work just statistically have, have, have dropped so much. So we're hoping that that will uh, make a real difference. Okay. So. Guardian wraps all its ancillary services to support advisors' clients under the Halo brand. Can you tell us how Halo applies to IP, perhaps considering how it helps first if they notify early and, and then once a claim is in payment? Yeah, sure. So hopefully if we get that early notification that I've just talked about before the IP defect period has expired, we can identify any needs that, that somebody has um, and, and where perhaps uh, they can't get the support or, or aren't getting the support they need through the NHS, um, we can look to actually bridge that gap. And, and that could that could be absolutely anything, John. We're expecting to work very closely with some uh, vocational rehabilitation providers. So they will look at a customer's holistic needs. They will identify exactly what, what they need to actually to actually help them get back to you know to where somebody needs to be and, and back into the workplace. That would be fantastic to do that. Um, but it could be it could be other things as well. If, if there's an, a, a long NHS waiting list and somebody needs a, a, a bit of treatment, counselling, um, some minor surgery or something, you know, we can certainly look to see whether we can we can intervene then and and, and possibly pay for that if it's going to help somebody get better and, and and ultimately back to work. And that will be part of our Halo brand that will come under our Halo services, and and that will be something that, as I say, we will pay for. In terms of once a claim has been admitted. The services will will look the same. They will they will be provided by the same types of um, of providers, so vocational rehabilitation companies, for example. But I guess the focus shifts a little bit because people will have been off work for longer and perhaps more entrenched in their in their illness. Um, psychologically, you know, they, they they may have accepted that their illness and, and and their new identity as somebody who's not in the workplace. So so I, I think the focus just shifts a little in terms of working with those people and. Helping them get back to a, a you know, to a good place, to a place where they want to be, and whether they're they're well enough and 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 uh, you know able to, to to get back into the workplace. And if that's not to their own job, if they if they can't go back to their own job, then we can help help them perhaps return to alternative types of work. 
if that's uh, something that, that they want to do and um, and that we can help them with. What is the thinking for allowing children's CI to be added to the IP policy without the adult necessarily taking out CI as well? Yeah, well, John, as you know, we, we offer children's critical illness um, as, a, as a bolt-on to our other core cover um, products, life and critical illness. And it's been it's been fantastic. In fact, most of the children's critical illness claims we've paid out on have been on life cover as opposed to critical illness. So we can see the value that it really provides. It allows um, more parents to cover their children and make sure they're protected. Um, they don't necessarily have to have critical illness covered to do that. So when we were looking at um, IP, it, it made absolute sense to to provide children's critical illness as, as an option to bolt onto that as well. And from my experience with income protection, from time to time, you come across claims where parents are stressed and anxious because maybe their children are ill, um, you know, in the hospital, perhaps receiving treatment for things like cancer. But actually, they, they, they're they not actually suffering an illness. So we can't pay them under the income protection claim because they're not ill themselves. They're just, you know, they're, they're going through the uh, the normal emotions that, that a parent would, would, would go through when one of their children is ill. By having children's critical illness bolted on, potentially for those serious illnesses, things like cancer, it means that we can make a payment and actually perhaps allow parents to take some time off work um, and, and, and be covered by the payment through the children's critical illness instead. So I think that's a, a, a fantastic thing to, to have um, available to, to add on to a, an income protection cover. So the launch of IP gives Guardian a full menu. If an advisor is recommending a blend of both IP and CI and life for a client and, and or for their family, accepting that you're not, of course, the advisor, how does this all fit together? Yeah, so, so absolutely um, not an advisor, John, so I, I, I can't offer any advice, but I, I think it's just wonderful to have a full range of the products to actually dovetail to the customer's own individual circumstances. I mean, I, I, I know from experience that from time to time um, on critical illness, we see people contacting us to try and claim or, or ask if they can claim for conditions which aren't covered, but which have a serious impact on on their on their health and, and, and on their finances. So the great thing about income protection is that it doesn't just pay out on the, on the, the diagnosis of a defined condition pays out if somebody can't work it covers income and certainly you know most people won't be off work long term but some you know a, a number of people will be off work uh in, in the shorter term and um you know it, it's great to be able to maybe cover shorter term incapacity uh perhaps dovetail that with a, a critical illness policy to to, to to cover um more serious illness and and you know longer total and permanent um incapacity for example. So it, it provides different options. And of course, you have the life cover as well. So it, it provides different options and, and, and people can, um, can, can, you know, speak to, speak to their financial advisors and make sure that, that they have exactly what they need for their own specific circumstances. Guardian aren't going to be offering cover using activities of daily working definitions. Can you say why that is? Yeah, that's right, John. We wanted to provide customers with as much certainty uh, at the point of claim in keeping with with what we've done so far uh, on on our products and the activities of daily working definition are really difficult to meet um, it's a it's a much higher threshold for people to meet than the known job and or, or even known occupation a lot of customers end up being disappointed if they're only covered for activities of daily working 
when they come to claim. We didn't want that. We would rather provide customers with clarity and peace of mind over exactly what they're covered for. And we don't want to take, you know, we, we really don't want to cover customers for something that quite honestly, they may never get a payout for if, if they need to claim. So, so we came to that decision that, that we wouldn't offer activ- activities of daily working as a, a, a definition um, that we would cover new, new business customers for. Um, we will only offer own job and we will provide that certainty to them that should they need to claim, then, then that's what they will be assessed against. Hopefully that will give advisors a better understanding of Guardian's new IP proposition. Well, thanks very much for talking to us today, Phil. Thanks, John. Been a pleasure and uh, yeah, looking forward to, uh, to helping our IP customers should they have to, to make a claim.